Started popping the anti-inflammatory drugs yet, so <laughs> then it'll be partying. Speaking of inflammatory, we are here to talk about a television series that can be described as such. Blessed, this, huh? Blessed be the fruit. May the Lord open. No, I don't want to say that one. Uh, under under that his shit. under his eye. Oh shit. Um. <laughs> Fucked up. As we've talked about the over on the VD clinic, we talked about the book, the movie, and sort of in general, the first few first two seasons of this show. We're trying something different this summer. Yeah. A psychosemantic VD clinic pod joint. Season three of The Handmaid's Tale. We're breaking it down in three sections. three sections. We don't expect everybody to binge the entire 13 season. I mean, 13 episodes all in one time. We're, we're breaking I, it up in three episodes. Like, yeah. I could never watch. I, I <laughs> barely ever watch more than one episode of the show at a time. Really? Um, I just. I watched I, this in two chunks. Oh, I've been watching it since it started. And then I went back through a couple of the episodes. I did myself the favor slash made the mistake of <laughs> um, watching two episodes in a row right one night. And then the next night I watched three episodes in a row and wow. 
Yeah. Um, so episodes one through five are titled Night. But, by Let... the way, we're Darren and Vanessa. <laughs> we... Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you don't know us, thank you for somehow accidentally getting here. But yes, uh, we should we should follow order and protocol because that is what this fucking shit is all about. <laughs> here in almost Gilead. Uh, you mean Alabama? If, if I, fuck, I'm far. I'm well. You're further away from there than I am, and I'm I'm pretty far away from Alabama. But well, I still have family. I still have family down there. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I have to go back. <laughs> I have to try to save them and get them out. That's what I'm trying to do for my mother. <laughs> when, when that when that church's private police force stops uh, reporting crimes that happen, Ugh. it is that that is like two weeks after you should have left. Um, and you know, you absolutely know, it's going to have this racial entanglement, and it is going to be carried out. Now, I mean, obviously against the poor people, but it's it, there's going to be a racial component. It's it's not going. It's not just going to be gender. It's. Oh. <sighs> Which, you know, I have to say, as a general note about what we've seen so far, the first five episodes of this third season of Handmaid's Tale is that you see more uh, faces of color amongst the Martha. I mean, the, yeah, the Martha's. And you see that again, that that's where it plays, it, it, it taps into a little bit of this idea of what was touched upon in the book of how a lot of this is racialized. Yeah. But it is interesting though, you see, a, you know, a handmaid of color, you know, but there's still not many, you, there's still not many. Right, and that's probably why a lot of uh, ladies of color became Martha's, right? Because of the well, the racial bias and within religion, within religion, but also these societies that had these traditional like came from Jim Crow or whatever other slavery based like mentality of their economy of we're going to relegate people of color to the quote unquote help. You know, they are always going to be, you know, they're never they're never they're always going to be blue collar. They're never going, you know, and if and if they're never really going to make it out of being the service industry, you know, or, you know, working as servants and because, well, we can't have slaves anymore. You know, it it's still a lot of that mentality. And there's still this there's still so much of that that is entangled actually in the Bible because of so many references to slavery and the cultures that were if you look at when the Bible was written, slavery was a a thing in different societies and so of course this fucking book whether you believe it's his you know it's spiritual you know gospel you have to realize put it in its historical context you know slavery we we are we don't practice slavery now <laughs> or at least you know most of us don't legally and so it's yeah and and that goes back to handmaid's tale there's so much of this element of slavery and yeah, the like idea the of sexual slavery sexual slavery the way they pose like, like uh, later what episode five where they're doing that broadcast and now everything is just right. so it's a you know you'd see a black and white photo like that from the uh, 1800s here in america right well it had to be this picture perfect 
quote-unquote Norman Rockwell home, where you have the happy heterosexual, let's also note that, couple, rich white couple, Christian, here in front, you know, making a plea for the return of their baby. And you see their perfect, obedient handmaid in the background. She's still present there, but she knows her place and her head is supposed to be down and she is supposed to be just, you know, I am here to perfectly serve. You know, uh, (laughs) I got so pissed off during some of these episodes. I was also completely, I don't know if I'm just, because I've been so stressed lately because of work that I was just like also got where I was completely in tears at like one or two points. Um, where should are, how, I guess we're I mean we're telling people we're spoiling this I think we have to yeah I mean we're we're yeah please it's impossible please, not please to don't watch this you don't want to listen to this really if you haven't watched it yeah but thank you for coming we will see you later um, <laughs> yes <laughs> please come yeah. back I mean we obviously recommend the show so uh, at the we already said at the end end of season two what Nicole slash Holly I forget or, uh, whatever her real name is. June's baby. Yeah, whatever June's baby's name is. That she had with Nick. The original Offred and uh, yes. the baby that June had with Nick. Had, like, Under the guise know. of Commander Waterford and Serena. Yeah, they they escaped at the end of season two. Season three is all the, like, well, some of all of the shit that happened after that. So, you know, it, it this starts up not too long, like, uh, what's her face? Serena's finger is still healing. The finger that she lost yeah. for reading the Bible at the end of season two. Yeah, um, and asking for the right for their daughters to learn to read so they could read the, read the Bible, and that was it. And this entire society is supposed to be so centered around the Bible, yet these girls, these women are not even – they are supposed to be kept in such ignorance that they're not even supposed to be able to read what they're supposed to uphold. Like how fucked up is that? I don't, you know, that I've never understood that argument from certain religious peoples at different points. I've never understood that. You really want women and girls to participate and believe this? Then give them the opportunity to read it on their own. It's going to be more meaningful. I, I just, oh, misogyny. Misogyny and religion. Shit. Yeah, that goes hand in hand, like misogyny and religion man what what is bradley whitford's character's name um oh shit is it commander lawrence yes lawrence thank you it took me for some reason a minute to realize that was bradley whitford i'm like i don't know why but i'm like yeah i'm like oh yeah i always like that guy and i'm like shit why can't i remember his name and i'm usually so good with people's names but yeah um he's a an interesting character. He's still abusive as fuck. I uh, <laughs> don't know what to think of him yet. Yeah. I don't completely know what to think of him yet. Because while he, he helps Emily and the baby, and he was going to help June, but she stayed, um, while he helped them escape, you know, into Canada, he helped, he, he was... Yeah. Then after June is captured and taken back. Did he call the cops on her for that? It's like he drops her off and then everybody shows up a little bit later. 
Well, the thing is, he's out there with his driver waiting, is what they're supposed to be doing. Okay. But they wait with the lights on, which is a dumb move. If you really are going to kidnap someone, right? I, I mean, I'm just, just a thought. Anyway, that was one thing that bugged me about that scene. But it makes you wonder, did he call the cops on her? Or was it that they were just out looking for her and they happened upon him and he was like, oh, shit. And he had to fess up. But he's like, or he had to say, I don't know. We were out here. We, we were looking about and, you know, and then he had to try to save his own hide. It's hard to you say. Know? Yeah, he, he's he's. And she just gets found out because they happen to be looking for her anyway. And that would have been one of the places they would have looked for her. Exactly. Exactly. So it's both are completely feasible and it's unclear, which I think I'm okay with. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't, I don't need to have everything spoon fed to me, but sometimes I want to talk it out. Right. Right. No, Um, no, I agree with you. I agree with you, but it did, it, it did take me a minute to, I was like, wait, Wait a minute, which is, and I'm, that's why I'm saying I'm, some of it is he does go on to do these more abusive things, these abusive like, things like to emotional her. emotional abuse. Right. And so it's not unreasonable in that sense that he would call the cops on her. However, I lean more towards that they just happen to be found out and he happened to be sitting there and he had to save his own ass. Kind of. Um, because you're right. Yeah, that's the first place that the cops or whatever would the military would have gone looking for June. Yeah. We'll, and, we'll watch the borders. Go look for her fucking kid. <laughs> yeah. And go look for her. Her Yeah. Her kid that was taken away from her. So makes sense. That's what the cops would do now. Um, but um, yeah, considering other behavior he has, I mean, where he lets these Marthas like run this, you know, underground distribution center of notes and whatever communication and all these different things. But then he does all this fucked up shit, like with the government that you're like, ah. I mean, like I, he's like the Goebbels or something of, uh, Gilead, right? He's one of the main planners or main architects. I feel like a couple of people called him yeah. an architect of Gilead. They called him an architect. Yeah. It's this really weird, weird kind of, duality that you're like what the fuck is going on like he can do whatever the fuck he wants but within he certainly he doesn't at least so far at least so far he hasn't done anything to june that is in the level of like waterford's you know kind of wheelhouse you know he's not i don't feel like he's that he's like that you know kind of smarmy because that's just – Waterford's smarmy. He really is. Yeah. Like where he's like, you want to come to the buffet and have the deviled eggs? I mean I'm like, are you like the fucking pickup line? That's totally what it came off as. It really did come away. Like you're just like – and he's just like goading them and everything. And I'm just like, ugh. He's just smarmy. Well, and I, I feel like oh, – go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to add that I, I feel like if I remember the flashbacks correctly, before right. it became this biblical patriarchy from hell – I thought Serena Joy was the more active political voice and actor. And, you know, he was more she like was. his girl Friday or her, her girl Friday, you yes. know, and then no, totally she helped that world happen. And all of a sudden he's in power and he's acting like 
and he won't even consider her. Yeah. Even though she also helped build him up. Like Serena really helped like fucking Serena in lighting the that bed on fire. <laughs> I still fucking hate her. I'm like I still fucking hate her. And she is so she's so much more complex than what she was in the book and in the initial movie. Which I'm glad. I mean, but that's also what you can do with the series. But I'm glad they've actually made these characters, most of them, made them really much more complex. Because Serena has these different moments where, oh my god, you empathize with her. and But then it's like she fucking does like whatever goddamn bullshit. And uh, Luke, run. <laughs> yeah, Luke, you are in trouble, sir. Trouble. You probably got something laced with poison like those people that russia doesn't like that just die in parks in england no someone is going to be at your door soon stealing yeah. that kid kid the, out and you're going to be dead it's all i'm thinking the spies and that told the waterfords to to. the spies that told the waterfords that the baby has a tooth like that's not something yeah. a doctor would have no if they, if they hacked the whatever with that super yeah. magic briefcase phone that they use yeah um for unknown caller or strange callers or whatever that episode was called Unknown caller. Unknown caller. Um, yeah, I know. It's it's fucked up. It's just fucked up because, it, I mean, yeah, you tr see how truly devious these, these characters are. And uh, that's why with Bradley Whitford, you're still unclear what his motives are. I, I feel. I mean, but he's a newer kind of, he's a newer character anyway. So, but Serena, like, fucking this game. This goddamn game <laughs> she's been playing for so long. But uh, I wanted her to light that bed on fire and push the fucking commander in it. I was like, it's going to be, I'm sorry, Farrah Fawcett, burning bed, like, <laughs> extremities, like, battered wife, like, flipping out and killing her husband. I'm, it's got to be, it's got to happen. <laughs> I was what I wanted. <laughs> and she burned down the house with the liquid she was using to treat the wound from her yeah. finger that was chopped off. Yeah, the ether or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh. Um, man. Uh, <laughs> but Offred got the blame. Offred got the blame. Of well, yeah, at least in public. I mean, yeah. the household knew the real truth, including the commander. <laughs> like, he knew it was really Serena. <laughs> and he knew Serena's like, I'm gonna, you know. But you knew Serena was going to go back to him. Yeah, her mom, her mom is horrible. And she was getting ready to Virginia Woolf. Was that who? Yeah. Or that was Virginia yeah. Woolf. Okay. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She was I gonna. She totally was gonna totally that's do. What she was gonna fucking do. I. I, I was she... expecting it too. I was rooting for it in a way. I'm. I'm sorry. Not to just. Not you know. I'm not voting for suicide of anyone, but. But of a character. That of... character. I, I, the only thing that would truly put her mind at peace, and maybe it still will. I mean, she seems so. She really still seems mentally unstable, in the way that she can't reconcile living in this society truly but yet she's still trying to so hard and she helped build so much of it and she seemed like she was doubled down after she went to Canada yeah. for that little run yeah mm -hmm. you know, she had that little rage moment in the bathroom and then she changed back into her wife clothes and her wife uniform and yeah. um you know she's selfish 
oh, she's so fucking selfish. But that, you know what? It ultimately comes down to the fact that she is a rich, white woman of privilege in this society. That is the highest position of woman you can be. She, you know what I mean? You have this, and, and your husband has a significant place of power in the government. Of course, you know, you are such, this is the coveted position. And while your rights are still really, really restricted, you can do still so many things. Like, again, we go back to these simple things about smoking and say, like, cigarettes are outlawed. Yet she smokes all the time. It's something that's always around. It's always available to her. Her Virginia Slims. Right? I mean, <laughs> whatever those something... long fucking Cruella DeVille cigarettes were she smokes. I know. I, the Benson Hedges or some bullshit. But, you know, it, it, it goes back to something as simple as that. It's this, she has this level of entitlement. She really does. Because as she's even talking about, like, you know, they, the, um, who's raising the baby, you know, June's husband, like asking, is he Christian? And this kind of thing. It's like, no, you, it still has to be someone who has to fit into a certain model and a certain image as far as what makes an acceptable parent in this society. And this is actually where I wanted to tie it to real life, the United States right now. Because I feel like so many of these anti-abortion bills and laws that are, you know, with everything that's changing, being acted right now, I feel that so much of it comes from this idea of who is allowed to be an acceptable parent. And it has, there's these politicians who represent a certain, you know, segment of society. It's very much, okay, white, pretty much white Anglo-Saxon, you know, Christian, because Catholics are even questionable, but eh, okay, we'll allow them because, you know, they can be anti-abortion, you know, but, <laughs> you know, they're even questionable, but no Jews, we can't have the Jews. I mean, like, it's, oh my God, it's just this whole, the Catholics you know, do the fucking fake ass baby graveyards. Then it comes into, well, and the way that they talked about in what we see the Handmaid's Tale is how they talk about like women's like contraception and abortion and, you know, reproductive, you know, freedom is it's this idea of it's this completely false concept that these politicians with these so many of them who are hypocrites too by the way you know how many of them have mistresses or you know really end up being discovered with escorts you know or, or pedophiles or whatever fucking shit you know what? it's all this if you want access to birth control and abortion that must mean you're a slut you know, it must mean that you just don't care about human life and whatever and all these different things. And, and oh, I, you know, just because, you know, you want to get pregnant and just so you can kill something. I mean, and, oh, just all this crazy nonsense and they ignore science. And then even they don't understand science <laughs> when you try to explain it to them. You know, not even complex science. Well, and woman's so body's got a way of shutting that whole thing down. Right, and so many of them even blatantly admit in open, you know, hearings in, in court that they don't understand how the biology works, okay? They don't care if they sound stupid and ignorant, but yet they are still so adamant about let's legislate all these different things. And, you know, the Alabama anti-abortion law, the recent one, 
you know, look at all the lawmakers who voted for it. Hmm. I think it should be noted they were all white males. Not a single female. Not a single face of color. You know, I'm not even, who cares about the party in this situation? I'm just saying, demographic-wise, it's like, but of course they were all Republican then, too. I mean, that's the other, you know, that's another. But it's still, what the, what the population in Alabama is, there are so many people of color in that state that why aren't there more faces of color represented there? Well, I'll tell you, you've partly disenfranchised, you know, many people who, you know, be, through stupid bullshit, you know, things like making certain things felonies, simple things felonies. So, and you've, you know, done all this racial profiling, you've made the poor disenfranchised too, you know, put, throwing all these people in jails and then they get out, they can't vote, you know? it. So all these people who need this access say, you know, they don't, they don't have options. And what you see in this world of The Handmaid's Tale is what options are there? Because even Serena as powerful as she is in this is still like she, what would her, what would her reality be and her options be if she decided to leave the commander? Something well, tells me is actually, I mean, it, she'd still be doing a hell of a lot better than most of us, but it would still not, it would be, she would have to, you know, she would have some significant issues and problems. She'd, she'd have to move in with her mom in the lighthouse and flagellate herself. Well, and there's even a possibility that her mother may not accept her, you know, True. or and, something. And her mom did say, "What you have power as Mrs. Waterford. Isn't right. that a thing she said? Right. Meaning as a single woman, you know, it, it's just, no, you have, you have no power. You have no options in this society. You are only, your only worth is that as a quote, as quote unquote property of a man. I mean, it's fucking bullshit. Well, they, bullshit. They do that a man or when when he's like, I'll protect you or whatever the fuck. He's like, a man is the head of the house, of the family, or whatever that weird fucking yeah. Uh, <sighs> but yeah, please, please, rage, rage against the patriarchy. Well, and just, but and then the, the other thing that I want to bring up with that is that then it also carries over to not just, okay, where you're criminalizing abortion, what about in vitro fertilization? Because when I was growing up and I went through in preparation for confirmation when I was 12 or 13, I had to go through, I always, I already, I already was going to CCD regularly, whatever Catholic catechism, whatever it stands for, um, Sunday school thing. But I, um, there's things you do to make your parents happy. Um, <laughs> CCD. Yeah. But in preparation for confirmation, what we had to go through this additional program called reverence for life or something like that. And it was teaching, it was basically teaching you all about like all these big moral issues and the Catholic church's stance on them. So you got into the nitty. So even though my school wouldn't teach me like anything about human reproduction, I mean, the cap, this is what, and the Catholics were just like no sex before marriage. And, and they went through, you know, all these different things like this is the church's stance on blah, 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 blah. And all this. Were you Irish but, Catholic? Well, or Roman Catholic. Of, no, we were, I mean, part of my family's Irish. I mean, McHenry last name, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. But that's a, but that's actually no. They weren't actually like hardcore like Irish Catholic. They were. Um, they actually had more French and uh, like Creole, like Cajun influence on that side. 
So that's why they weren't, that's why they weren't super like when you say Irish Catholic, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Still sizable enough family. I was just curious because I didn't have to go through that. So I was trying to figure that out. Uh, well, I, my... I didn't have to go through that. I did have to go to CCD for a while, which I called continuing Catholicism's dominance. <laughs> um, well, the church that we went to, it wasn't like a cons- like one of the more conservative ones. It was one of the probably, as far as Catholic, you know, leanings, as far uh, it was probably more middle of the road to liberal. Like, so it wasn't necessarily... A, the Jesuit one, because oh. the Jesuits are like the liberal Catholics, <laughs> which that's that the college I went to was Jesuit, which honestly, that's the only way I could have gone to. I would have been able to make it through <laughs> college, um, any kind of, you know, anyway. So, but no, it was, it was, it was still something that had to be done. And because it's also, this is still also the Bible Belt, because even though, you know, you think of the Bible Belt as more like evangelicals and Baptists, and that is predominantly what is considered that. But I grew up in the area that has a lot of Catholics, so it's slightly different. But the way that they went down, and this was in the uh, probably the mid 80s that I was going through all of this. And, you know, so, you know, Pope John Paul II, woohoo. Um, <laughs> sorry. PJP2. Right. Well, he at least apologized for the Inquisition, right? Let's give him that. He <laughs> sucked on many enough, but there he, he sucked on many other things, but we will give him that. Like somebody finally, I mean, he was a Holocaust survivor, you know, <laughs> give him that. But anyway, it was interesting to go through and they started talking about the Catholic Church's stance. And this is at least then, uh, but it was about in vitro fertilization. You would think that they would be so like, woo, baby, 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 you know, because they were always like, no, even if you're married, you shouldn't have contraception. I mean, like, except for the rhythm method, because we all know how effective that is. <laughs> right? You can get by just long enough, but your luck will run out. You're, 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 your you're dancing a little too close out. to the edge. Yeah. You are dancing too close to the edge, even if you're really good, like with, with yeah. the science. It's, it's you still, know, uh, Amanda. It's still Amanda and I did that in preparation yeah. for when we started having the conversation about having mm-hmm. our demonic spawn. Right. We went into that and we did that successfully for a while. Right. Like doing the charts and keeping yeah. track of all that stuff. But I mean, as soon well, as I we were think like, it's Rosemary's baby now. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, as, as soon as we were, <laughs> as pretty much as soon as, and I, I feel sorry for other people who, you know, really want and have trouble doing this but you know as soon as we decided okay yeah it was you know a couple weeks and we got it (laughs) well see and that's and you were you were very lucky because that's the other thing is that it is so fucking expensive for people who want it and same with actually adoption i mean really the amount of people who want to adopt to or who want you know children physically you know and they want to they're looking into you know in vitro fertilization and i can't afford it oh my god it's it's ridiculous it's that's why and that's also why I say so much of the structure of reproductive freedom in this country is is, is almost is false because it extends beyond laws. Uh, you know, it's, it goes into these other realms of healthcare where, you, you know, in the in the foster system or the adoptions, you know, system, whatever. You're not making things easy for people, and and then, and then I know it has come up around this Alabama law. They're talking about like, okay, well, what about embryos where they're up? whatever thing that was it blasties uh that um are discarded from an in vitro fertilization clinic 
-hmm. You know, what about the extras that you're just tossing? What happens is that can someone be prosecuted under that? You know, I, I mean, well, how are woman, we reading this that law? That woman got shot. Yeah. Yeah, the exactly. What the fuck is up with that? Oh, my fuck. I was just finished reading about the woman who got arrested when she took her abusive husband's guns to the police station after yeah. he crashed her car off the road and got arrested for domestic violence. And they arrested her for stealing the guns. And since they were guns, they arrested her for armed robbery. And she spent more time in jail did. than he did. Of course they did. And they're, the prosecutors or whoever is in charge are very gingerly deciding if they're going to charge her with all these crimes that she got arrested for. But it's already been that he was in jail for less time than she was. And she was an abuse victim oh, trying yeah. to get help from the police. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it was, bam, this woman's arrested because she got shot. It was like, well, she put the baby's life in danger. Yeah. But we'll drop the charges on the person who shot the baby. Fuck, man. So fucked up. And so much of this also, again, comes back to class and race. There are so much of the, I mean, and, and just, I mean, obvious, the misogyny aspect is just fucking obvious. You know, there's so much class and race. That's intertwined in here. It's like, it's just, oh, these laws are just outrageous. And it goes back to the idea of, well, you can afford this in vitro fertilization, whatever, or this adoption, blah, 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 blah. Then you are an acceptable parent. And, you know, and also not just if you can afford the adoption, well, then you have to go through the screening process and we have to decide, are you okay or not? So hmm, how many states does that rule out queer couples, you know, or queer individuals or an individual in general, some places will not even let, you know, someone who is single adopt. And you have to be a married couple. <sighs> Handmaid's Tale. Sorry. <laughs> no. Um... It's kind of a side rant, but it's not. I just, just watching this and. Women have no power. You're a, are you a gender traitor? I forget. Is that what? Is yes, that I what am. You're a gender I'm, traitor. I'm totally a gender traitor, which let's speak about the gender traitor here, Emily, and how she makes it into Canada with the baby. And again, I, I've been, been particularly exhausted and working way too many days in a row. And when she makes it across and they're like, are you a refugee and everything? Are you seeking political asylum? I like started crying. Would you, I really, if, I, if you returned to your country, would you per, be persecuted yeah. because you're a woman? And, yeah. and I was like, yeah, yeah, I feel you. That one, that, sorry. Yeah. Please, no, please I share just, your it, moment. I'm sorry. No, it was it was kind of, it, part of me was like, it's kind of ridiculous, but I'm also like, it was just refreshing that there are certain places that will take in people, you know, genuinely welcome people. And I, because I just don't see that happening in our country. You know, when you talk about the fucking concentration camps we have right now, and yet we see in, you know, these episodes of Handmaid's Tale, we see some of those concentration camps. The colonies or, or the, the holding pens. I the mean, holding pens. Yeah. Fucking it's. Pick five. The rest will die. Yeah. It's just fucking. That's what I mean. It's fucking gross. And I just I'm watching this series and it's and it's creating this amazing, interesting world. But then you see certain things that are going on in our world right now. And you're like, ooh, this is this health. It's. It, it only has different costumes and <laughs> really and just yeah. colors. <laughs> and other than that, it's pretty much the same. I agree with you that, that when uh, Nicole and Emily get across the river, especially because this is one of the episodes that I rewatched. I rewatched this after the, the father and daughter died trying to get to America after seeing that picture in the morning. Um, 
trying to swim across to Texas. So that was very much the same. And but in this one, they fucking get there and there's the guy and he's nice and he's got the shiny blankets and she re- she's afraid for a second and then she realizes that she's probably she's made it. It is like you know, especially in a really shitty day, it's like in Karate Kid where he gets that crane kick in at the end. And it's just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, you get you get a little, you know. I love that that's the imagery you revoke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I should have thought of like another good moment, like when Nadia gets the perfect 10 at, no. the, at the end of the movie, you know, um, when they're like, oh, she got a shitty grade. Oh, wait, this has never happened before. Everybody a perfect. But yeah, it's just that yeah. tingly feeling <laughs> all through your fucking body when you're just like, I have all a flicker that of fucking hope. shit. All that fucking shit. Exactly. A glimmer of hope. She finds, speaking of past conversations we've had, Clea Duvall. Right. Yeah, Clea Duvall. And I don't know. I mean, <laughs> as a New Yorker, if you were stuck in traffic behind her, would you mm-hmm. be like, oh, okay? Or would you be like, well, could you get the fuck out of the way? Probably a little of both. Because <laughs> she could have parked. There was a parking space. No, she couldn't have because they were moving. She was moving already to get around this uh, truck. Uh, truck. And that was the only way. There was only that one. There was only room for one vehicle to pass. So yeah. she couldn't have even pulled over and like sat there in a parking space. Yeah. Um, it was just, yeah, it was a bad place. She could have just pulled behind the truck and had everybody else go around. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. But whatever. I mean, she also wasn't expecting that call. I mean, like. <laughs> I mean, I would I would be angry at first. Oh, of course. But if I walked up to a car, I was like, hey, man, what's up? It's like, oh, well, you know, my wife's in Gilead. And I just, you know, got done talking to her kid that's grown up without her. Yeah. <laughs> and now she's back. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I, yeah, I'm... exactly. <laughs> No, no, I agree. I, initially, my initial be, reaction would be like, oh, what is the fucking problem? Jesus. Learn to drive. Oh, but then, shit, but then I would look out and I, yeah, I'd start to realize something's up. But it's still, yeah. you, uh, yeah, that's it. That's interesting because it's like, also, you know, she didn't call, Emily didn't call her right away. Oh. So terrified. Ter- and I understand. Yeah. Jesus, what she's gone through. I can't remember. Did they mutilate her with fire or surgery? Um, shit. I don't remember either. But they mutilated the fuck out of her and all the other shit. I mean, yeah. she, she had to think that I, people talk about it casually. And it's like uh, Aunt Lydia was like, you should have been on the wall for that. Yeah. The genital mutilation, though, is a portion of how she was t- tortured. Yeah. Because she received other treatments that were, you know. Yeah, but that was the ultimate. It's heavy. That's why I can't. I can't watch it. I. I don't know if it's because I feel too guilty because I'm a man, apparent by definition or whatever. <laughs> you <should> feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> but it's. I just can't. I just can't. I get too emotional. I another time that I got uh, emotional was when Nicole and her kid. Because I mean, those are literal kind of end of the day conversations I've had with my kid. Yeah, I'm just like holy fuck. <laughs> Wait a minute. What do you mean, Nicole? And... Or not Nicole? Sorry, Emily. Emily and Emily. Her kid. Oh yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. You know, she's all nervous, and they you know, was like, "Okay, are we supposed Even to hug each other?" Emily's supposed to hug you when you're ready. Yeah, which is and really it was, cute. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was a pretty in a pretty you know, not a bad child actor too, which helps because <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I thought you know you get a questionable child actor, but it it it, gave, it showed just how awkward. It is, of course, and how she's experienced this horrible trauma and just trying to come back to 
real life, no, yeah. whatever that is. Drinking a beer on the porch at night. Yeah, normal, <laughs> normalcy. And and it's just for the, this kid, it's just such an innocent. And even though the child does remember, you know, this horrible separation and, you know, has a certain trauma from that, he still slides back into things like, okay, it's cool. Yeah, we're here. You're here. You gonna read to me, mom? I mean, like, you know, and he doesn't push her, but he, you know, he's there for her. It's really, I mean, it's just a really touching, beautiful kind of moment. It was very authentic. And... Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and then with Cleo Duval, like, watching the two of them together and, like, getting all teary-eyed, like, and everything, realizing their connection and all this stuff. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it, there's so much of, while we talk about, I mean, this extreme, like, I, I, what I find interesting about this season is, because we see a character who was in Gilead for these whatever other two seasons and went through all these horrific things, see now her get out and try to adjust to what's a, a normal world. Because it's kind of like the end of the village. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I should never say that, but I actually had an analogy, but it wasn't going to be that. Well, yours is probably better, but I just like when Serena Joy changes into normal clothes or like when they go back she and forth. Like between... alien. Huh? She looks like an alien almost. Yeah. That's like, what the, f what the fuck? Um, they also wear sort of similar cloaks in the village. Uh, when they run into the park ranger <laughs> and everybody's pretending like there's a monster god that if you leave the village gilead you will be destroyed ha i so wanted that package that um that rita gave to um gave to serena i so wanted that package you know that whatever she was supposed to give to luke or whatever i so wanted it to be a bomb that when Serena like got on the plane and in the air the the air the plane like blew up <laughs> like I really because I knew it was gonna be fucked up at that point I knew it was gonna go all south they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna totally do something like that to us I think that's that's why I'm really nervous about uh uh Bradley Whitford yeah because they're making us like him more than we used to you know with the yeah. little love story with his wife and the the mixtapes. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the soundtrack for this season so far has been pretty fucking sweet. Yeah. And a lot of old music. And, but there, I mean, he, he yeah, he's abusive as fuck. He makes Offered bury the body. And he just sort of, you know, is very oh, flippant yeah. when talking about, am I going to die? Is my husband going to die? He's like, well, well, we're all in danger. And just yeah. weird shit like that. Uh, but they're also building him up. So either he's going to really turn dark or he's going to die. <laughs> You know, because Offred's working on this La Resistance. I got a lawyer, a reporter, a Helping something. infiltrate the fucking Marthas, man. She got someone who's a chemist, can make, like, or whatever, involved. I mean, they are, like, moving a chemist so they can try to make bombs and shit. I'm like, right the fuck on. Like, I love yeah. it. <laughs> like, this whole Martha network. I'm like, I, this is great. This is fantastic. So I'm, I'm I love that you're seeing a different side of the, you know. I mean, because you knew that there was already you know, certain people anyway, like Nick was part of the resistance. I mean, and he gets, he's getting reassigned to Chicago because things are supposed to be heating up there, supposedly, whatever, quote, unquote. But it's really interesting. Yeah. You, you don't know. I, I just have this horrible feeling that Bradley Whitford's going to turn for the worse and shit's going to get fucked up, but or something's going to happen to his wife. 
But um, one of the, one of the things that I I thought of overall about do you mind if we take sorry do you mind if we take a quick break no no no, that's fine sorry we didn't we didn't have a real good segue or anything we just keep talking talking well no i mean we were we were talking about all those issues and now i think we might talk we'll take the break and then i think we might talk a little bit about like some overall themes we're seeing so far and then we can wrap up and then yeah you know may the lord open or whatever God, that's just disgusting. Sorry. No, someone dropped something in the hall, and it echoed, or that was just outside the building, then it echoed through the hall window. I mean, it it could be a sports celebration. I hear the women's, uh, the USA women's team at the the World World Cup. Cup. Yeah, beat France. Yep. Advance to the semi, or semi, whatever, finals. I'm not sure what what they say. And the fucking cops are out, like, goddamn, just, ugh. It's hot. Oh my god. No, just it's not even just that. It's in the fucking subways. They are I started seeing it yesterday, but today I'm like, you fuckers. Because of pride. It's totally what it is. I'm like, you fucking assholes. Flexing their fucking guns. Yes. And they're setting up and it's not just one patrol person or whatever, which they do occasionally anyway. It's it's one patrol person plus two people with a table set up for random bag checks. Some stop and frisk. Yep. Thanks, de Blasio. You are, were also kind yeah. of shitty in the debate, sir, if I might add. Uh, thank you for listening, though. I did not. I did not um, watch the debates. I did not have a chance to. I just um, but I was like, I can't. It's like I've a clown car. There's so many. Ugh, sorry. There's that, so it's, many. It's part um, of my job. It's part of my duty. I know, but it's like there's so many candidates right now that I'm almost like, I can't. It's. Oh, my God. 
she i think she talked about like beating trump with the power of crystals and love and they had her For real the, at the end where de blasio was the first night yeah and it was like de blasio tim ryan who he's from ohio I'm, yeah I'm, I'm not, i'd be surprised if anybody else heard of him but he deer in headlights all night yeah. Looking like he was just there to not make the height difference between de Blasio and Castro seem so drastic. <laughs> de Blasio is <laughs> fucking tall. Oh my God. The best, the best was when you would see um, Bloomberg, who was New York's shortest mayor in history, next to de Blasio, New York's tallest mayor in history. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, and I mean, thing is, Bloomberg is like my height, okay? <laughs> you know, your height. Like, in the, you know what I mean? He's like, he's right around there. So, whatever. It's not like midget. I mean, like, he's not like legally like, or whatever, but he's not for man. He is shorter than average. But I guess, yeah, I guess what is average for a man? 5'10? 5'9 or 5'10. It's definitely and, much taller than I am, right, Vanessa? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just. I don't mean it in a bad way. It's just it wasn't. Yeah, it's the hair. I'm I'm just really shitty at telling height, and <laughs> I think the hair gave me a totally different illusion. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Eighty percent of the pictures you see are, are of me and a four year old. So you're like, oh, well, he must be normal. But no. <laughs> yeah, I don't have you in perspective. That's a valid point. I guess like shit. You know, that... <laughs> I suck as a friend. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's fine. Like I say, um, it's fine. My, my wife, my wife quotes, <laughs> my wife quotes Legolas to Gimli to me so often, and she just loves. But she also likes that I am resourceful. I can get things off the tallest shelf if I have to climb or use tools. Right. And she just stands there. She's like, "Do you need me to get that?" You know, uh, was the the Lord of the Rings one? Is shall I describe it for you, or would you like mm -hmm. me to find you a box? Um, but yeah. I, uh, I, anyway, where how it's, the fuck? It's all about being forceful and okay. whatever. Yeah, De Blasio. I mean, like, I like his wife and and his, the rest of his family better than him. <laughs> <laughs> he said Dante, some cool stuff. Like, Dante, I don't think he has the afro anymore. Like that magnificent afro that he had when when De Blasio originally ran for mayor. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I like Sherlane actually. Yeah. She's smart and has done a lot of great grassroots type stuff over the years like you know yeah. activism and things you know uh, yeah and but she's the reason that they're they end up really being in the west uh caribbean day parade because you know her family are immigrants so <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. The, I, I yeah like i said i it was a rare moment where the, the missus and i sat down to watch something and being the type of fucking weird people we are yeah. we sat down to for two nights of the kicking off of the democratic primary debates which i will say yeah the in fairness for the to this clown car right so far there has been no arguments about whose dick is bigger <laughs> like there was in the previous uh republican clown car of despair oh. that was <laughs> our clown car of despair I, oh my god that would be great. That would be a great band name. I stole that from, uh, like, Amanda and her best friend, uh, Dan. That, that's, like, what they call their friendship. 
or something like that. Uh, it came, it came from them and they're, you know, they're those, those friends that, you know, they read books and they talk about books and they don't talk to each other for three years and then everything's totally cool, you know, yeah. not, or just, you know, in and out weird, but yeah. yeah, the clown car of despair comes from them. If she, li I don't think she listens anymore. You know, it's like, yeah, you've been in this band long enough. I'm not going to go to all the shows, <laughs> <It's okay>. um, <laughs> but she is more likely to listen to something that's you and me. But anyway, if I didn't give her if I didn't give her credit, I would catch hell and feel like shit if I thought about it. So I stole that phrase from her. <laughs> but no, actually that would be a great band name. Agreed. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> and it could even be blank and the clown car of despair. If, yes. If you had a, a front person that really stood out. Stood out, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Crusty and the clown car of despair. <laughs> If we're bringing it to the Simpsons, I mean, you know, that would work. Yeah, why not? <laughs> and this fits so well. <laughs> <laughs> but the but... To, to take us back towards center, yeah, <sighs> the debates, uh, it was cool. Oh. Kamala, she, I mean, she's a fucking cop, but yeah. she she did be like, hey, hey, Biden, remember when you were <laughs> against when you were against busing? I was one of those kids. <laughs> and Yeah. Biden, go fuck yourself. Yeah. And, That's all I got to say. And another dude who I can't even, one of the senators from Colorado, I think, said mm -hmm. something like, and I'm not an ageist, but I think uh, Biden is not now. Biden is not hasn't been now for a while. But well, the they, they brought is... up when he gave a speech 30 years ago saying mm -hmm. it was time to pass the torch to the young in the party. Yeah. yeah. Somebody brought that up and I was like, zing. <laughs> Well, it's, you know what? It's to me, I'm not, it, it's not about the age. It's about the, the mentality. Ideas. Yeah. It's about the mentality because you have to realize, I mean, if you, that's the problem with these people who are repeatedly voted into office, like, you know, just over and over and over again, someone like a fucking Jesse Helms or Strom Thurmond who were there for oh, 110 God. years. I mean, you fucking know. Strom Thurmond was like oh, the first politician I knew I didn't like. Oh, Jesus. Oh, so easy to hate Strom Thurmond. He, we, like, just, yeah, Jesse Helms, too. But, oh, my goodness. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, that, those, yeah. And then you, then you had Clarence Thomas come into the picture. That was a whole other level of, you know, when I was, I mean, I'm talking about me I'm talking being about aware. Biden. Of, <laughs> I'm Clarence just talking Thomas. about being aware of really some of the magnitude of, these politicians that stay in office for a long time, or like these Supreme Court justices who get put in these positions, who are or whatever judge positions that are in there appointed for, you know, a long time, and they just don't keep up with changing society. Can... And you have to recognize that society changes, and you have to, if if you are of a certain age, that's fine. But it's how you're thinking about things. You have to have a fresh approach. It's not about young. It's fresh. It's a matter of looking at it. Okay, does this model still work? You know, does this serve the voters? You know, you have to look at all of those things. I mean, it, and unfortunately, those people don't. They don't care. And it's they're, they're like a record stuck on repeat. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the courts, I wanted to talk to you about something, and I don't know if since we were talking about reproductive rights and the setup of the Supreme Court and everything. Right. Uh, uh, since I haven't heard much about it, but I looked into it when uh, Sanders said something at the debate about 
not stacking the courts, but the idea of rotating justices, which a right. bunch of people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, I think Preet Bharaha or whoever was the former, uh, I, uh, I think he was, I, he was in New York, but he was fired at the beginning of the Trump presidency or residency. Sorry. So I looked into the, the thing about the rotating judges just a mm-hmm. little bit. And it I've was, read about it before, but not okay. a lot. Yeah, the, the only thing I really got, which is seemed like a decent summary, was uh, most most notably or recently talked about by uh, two different law professors at two different colleges. I think they work together. But it would, uh, the idea of that would be that the justices would be composed of a panel selected at random from a pool of associate justices for a period of something like two or three weeks at a time. And then after the, that period, they would redraw and have different justices so there it, it's not changing I, changing the number of judges in the it's sort of stemmed from the, too, the debate about term limits that's too frequent truthfully because you need to also understand how the entire office works and so you need to have a little time to get used to that as far as working with cases don't i mean don't you agree i yeah I, I don't think a, i don't quickly, think a judge but... should be taken off i, I mean i i'm more in, in favor of term limits I'm term limits, absolutely. Um, but in this, no, I don't think a judge should be kicked off mid-case. No, well, exactly. Or, but even just like, okay, maybe they're still on one case, or but but whatever. I mean, like, then they can't work in whatever capacity of, because, again, it's you're working together as a body. Term like limits is judicial a branch. You have to have a certain cohesiveness and a certain amount of longevity of working together as coworkers mm-hmm. is what's going to breed an environment that's going to, you know, that's, I think that's going to provide a healthier, you know, work environment that basically where someone can get in a better headspace to think clearly enough on cases, things that they need to be paying attention to rather than I'm trying to adjust to a new job. If that makes sense. I, I feel like they just couldn't get in the, the right headspace and stay there long enough and do their job adequately as an actual judge if they're being yanked around like that. You can't spend your proper time and effort. I mean, you know, you can't be efficient. You can, certainly can't be effective, not in a, not in a healthy way. Yeah, it's the, the only reason... Definitely. Yeah, I like the idea of term limits. I, I I wonder if I don't know if I'm gonna look into this. It depends on how much I dwell on the shitty fucking gerrymandering decision that they made recently. Oh, God. You know, yeah, semi luckily them temporarily or at least declining this initial citizen or citizenship question thing. Uh, here in Ohio, part of the okay. So we recently had a ruling that said our districts are extremely gerrymandered and they needed to be redrawn before the 2019 election. Then Ohio's Republican libertarian attorney general challenged that ruling to the Supreme court saying that the voters already voted last year that our districts were messed up and needed redrawn. But since that deadline is further away in the future, we need to wait until then. So this Supreme Court ruling overturned our ruling. Uh, but we will have a bipartisan-ish panel redraw our things instead of whatever party's in power in t- after the census. But everybody else, like, we're <laughs> yeah. still screwed, but everybody else who doesn't have anything ridiculous like that that took, like, 10 fucking years are more screwed. But at least they're not totally screwed with the citizenship question slanting 
mm-hmm. the already fucked up census that it's going to be used to fuck everybody. I'm sorry, we're supposed to be talking about The Handmaid's Tale. But, but no, it goes to the government. You see the the commanders in the one scene in uh, Lawrence's, you know, study. And they're sitting there, like, having a meeting, like, okay, what are we, um, so what's going to be on the agenda? What bullshit, you know, misogynist, like, oppressive <laughs> thing are we going to come up with next? Mm, you know. The man, the man club from Stepford Wives. It's, t- oh my God, thank you. I just rewatched Stepford Wives probably like two, three weeks ago. I just rewatched the remake. I haven't seen the original in a while. No, actually, it was the it, it was the remake I watched. I rewatched this time. I hadn't seen it in the. I'd only seen it one other time. I'm still not a fan, but um, and I've watched actually the rewatched. I should say the original a lot ever since we did the episode on the book. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I didn't watch it in advance of that episode, but I watched it so much since then. Um, with, but anyway, so I just, yeah, thinking about, and like the fact that there's still a certain mentality and you particularly see it about, it because then like, okay, speaking of things in the news, um, fucking these sex cults and crazy things you're talking about Keith Rainier and like the head of Nexium getting like convicted and all this stuff um for kind of a sexual say what is it he got trafficking I think was part of one of the charges like he like sex trafficking was one of the charges he got uh thrown at him but anyway but you see from other like even cult like some of the offshoots of these like the Warren Jeff offshoots of like the Mormons and in everything now where they're like this have to be like as the woman I have to this is what I have to do exactly for the man and this is you know I can't step out of this place and where are my options and there's so much that that is seen here because just when you see this certain amount of liberation of like Serena is starting to she's trying to make these steps forward for herself and she was trying to ha- let her you know let Nicole who she sees as her daughter, but whatever. Um, another conversation. <laughs> but it's really June's baby. Anyway, Nick's baby. Not the Waterfords, but that's beside the point. Um, so how she sees, though, still that, that even in her mind that this is her child, she's like, and her daughter, she's like, she needs to live in a better world. And that's why she gives her to June to escape. Gilead. Now, my question is, do you think if June had left with Nicole and just completely stayed gone? Sorry. Quit shooting people. No, they're dropping shit in the hallway. And just echoes everywhere. They're not. The guns aren't out yet. (laughs) Not yet. That's another day. (laughs) Maybe later. I don't know. It's only, uh, what, 9.45. What was I talking about? Oh, Serena. Yeah. Shit. So do you think if, do you think if Serena had, you know, she, she let June take Nicole, you know, to escape Gilead for a better life. Do you think if June had stayed gone and not come back that Serena wouldn't have retaliated? I mean, or do you think she would have retaliated regardless? Or do you think because of the fact June came back because she wasn't going to leave Gilead without her, you know, her other daughter, you know, 
that Serena's being like extra fucking deceptive bitch and that baby Nicole is just a pawn at this point. I think Serena has seeing it as like almost getting back at like, I'm going to get back at you. You fucking bitch. I gave you this moment and you also, you left the baby. Like, why aren't you there? If it, you really care about the baby, you know? Yeah. There, there was a lot of uh, exploration about what it means to love someone so yeah. far in these, in these episodes. And everybody thinks that they're loving someone the right way. And somebody's not. And yeah. with, with Serena, she is sort of the focus of uh, at this point in the season. I'm I've been dwelling a lot about I don't know if false bargain is a real phrase, but the the perils of working with your oppressor, or like yeah. what how much good can come from working with your oppressor? Because as we've seen throughout this Agreed. series and the season. Every time, like going to Serena, every time she feels like it, she just snaps back into, "No, fuck you! I'm in charge." It's it's the uh, that's that's what I've been dwelling on after I finished, especially with the way episode five ended. Is like, okay, I have what I want, and now I'm going to have what I want. And, but I feel bad for not trusting her. But uh, you I, can't. I do trust she has proven herself. Yeah. She has proven herself repeatedly that just when you think and you are showing like real, like she's having a truly tender moment and ca you really care for her and you empathize. She all of a sudden just fucking 180 like bitch from hell. I mean, I'm sorry. There's no other way to put it. She's a complete fucking cunt. Like she's just devious. Then she all of a sudden turns like it's, it's like she she really just she regrets that she is in this position in society but yet she knows that she has to play along because that's the only way to get by and part of her like you know part of her like used to relish it but she realized that's something she just realized that no that's not why I really got into this and there's certain things and yeah, there's this is really flawed logic and all these different things. And if they really cared about such as, you know, and this whole thing of no, realizing this was flawed and we had maybe these good ideas in her, you know, mine, quote unquote, you know, good ideas to the rest of us, you know, fuck those ideas. <laughs> but uh, because like we've said before, when we've discussed handmaids is that the wives of these commanders are complicit and active participants in the ceremony, you know, and in this state and church sanctioned rape ritual. It, it's just, ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there has to be certain level of, you see Lawrence's wife or, I mean, they're not going through the ritual in that household. You don't see them. They're not doing that in that household. But he's still being a fucking abusive, monogenistic fuck. Like, he really just is. And he's writing these different laws and things. And that's also problematic because you see that, too, with, again, what I've said about politicians that and these different spiritual zealots who will say one thing and, you know, say this is the law of the land, this is the gospel truth, and tell, you know, tell that, preach that to all these voters, preach that to a congregation— pull these people hook, line, and sinker into this, you know, 
line of thinking and then all then it's exposed that they're living their lives completely differently they they're you know that's not what they're doing but and you wonder okay if he really wasn't that person then why is he acting like that kind of abusive fuck there's still something fucked up going on with him mm-hmm. you know he's writing so much of this you know legislation what the hell yeah so you know, what the hell's going on there he's either the head of mayday or he is just going to right like is he in for, is he like, like in for the long like is he in for the long haul and like he's yeah in for mayday and he's going to just over you know like going to help with a revolution or what is he just another crazy asshole that's in charge right now and you yeah. see how different people uh, cuz they they talk about that later on where there's like you know we're all expendable he's testing us he does oh. his things, you know, it basically, it seems like the main rule in that house is don't lie to me. Right. You still will be mistreated, but if you lie to me, it's, that's like it for it. Right. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. I, he's something. Uh, it came to me, Preet Bharara, B-H-A-R-A, I believe. Is it? There's a B-H-A-R-A, but he okay. was... Um, the uh, U.S. attorney for the Southern Southern District of New York for like ten years. He got fired in 2017. He's been kind of a okay. active okay. commentator on the state of pre-Gilead. Oh, jeez, Louise! Like it just it terrifies me because yeah, I have to stop and think because yes, I'm in a category that <laughs> that is a you know that is a, an offense to many of these people. So as a gender traitor, <laughs> just, and also as a woman who fucking thinks for herself, right? I mean, I, I'm sorry. That's, <laughs> I'm, 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 yeah. Would they, what would they do to me since I've had a vasectomy? Do you think? Would I be a driver or would I be up on the wall? You might be in the colonies. Mm. Yeah. That, I mean, I could risk being put in the colonies or they could <laughs> just send me to Jezebel's because like, I mean, they sterilized you anyway. Oh, right. And I've had a hysterectomy, so I mean, so, because of medical conditions, so, you know, I'm no good there. I think the only thing we didn't talk about over these episodes was we did get Anne Dowd as Aunt Lydia Oh, my back. God. I totally wanted to tell you. I, I have and Oh, my goodness. In her fucking rascal or whatever, the, <laughs> her hover round. Aunt Lydia can never die. I mean, it's, it's basically, she's like Jason. <laughs> She's been beaten before, and then last at the end of last season, she got stabbed and fell down some stairs, and you thought she was going to be dead, you know. But no, not only is she not dead, she's still kicking around and like beating the shit out of people, like whoa. But she's feeling her grip on power loosening. Absolutely, and I mean, and she's obviously. Oh my! And she's just, and everybody is starting to look at her. She loses it at the christening. Isn't that the christening or whatever? It's, I think it's the post-christening party. Party. And she loses it. And um, June, like, throws herself on uh, Janine. Oh, my God. Like, and everybody, like, all the commanders and all the wives are staring at Aunt Lydia. Like, what on earth are you thinking? But yet they're all standing there doing nothing. Because they don't care. They're not going to step in the way of a handmaid getting beaten. But they also realize that she's fucking out of control. Mm-hmm. 
they just don't know. They just don't want to be the first one to step forward is really what it comes down to in that situation. You're not supposed to beat your slave at the rape celebration party. Right. Um, it, you do that in private. You don't do that in front of everybody. That's how it works in this society. It's like, fine if you beat them and torture them, whatever, later, but you don't do that in these ritual-type settings, and these, especially a celebration. Even if you think someone stepped out of line, you just have security yank that handmaid out of the room, and you deal with it in another room. Seriously. I'm not saying that's what it needs, that's, needs to happen, because she was doing nothing that deserved anything of that level, of course. No one does. But she just... Aunt Lydia, I mean, she's realizing she doesn't have the physical, because she's essentially like, almost like she had, it's almost like she had a stroke, but she didn't, I wouldn't say. Um, the way Anne Dowd is playing her physically, it does kind of look like a someone who's post-stroke. Yeah. And like um, a Dalek, she can't deal with stairs. Yeah, and oh my god, though. Fucking Anne Dowd, Jesus, knocking it out of the park, again, acting-wise. Like, just when you thought she could do no wrong, anyway, and get she couldn't get more evil oh my fucking god that it, she just goes to a whole other level a whole other level did you and, did you see the interview she did recently no i didn't this isn't really a spoiler because it's been printed as part of an interview but ann dowd says that this season we are going to get some backstory to aunt lydia ah uh, i think it's supposed to be episode eight Okay. Eight, or, eight or nine a couple episodes from now okay so so in our next batch that we cover should be, we'll be talking we'll be talking about that should be yeah no they could have very easily written her out but i think that she is i mean i think she's a popular enough like actress as far as and part of the cast that i think people that you know the writers did want to keep her on but i think the character they wanted to keep on and explore a little bit more yeah, there, she's got more more to say. Uh, well, because we're seeing more of the Marthas now, which I like too. You know, we're seeing their like what where they are and their backstory. You know, a little bit. But it, so it makes sense that we would see something with the aunts. You know, with someone who is of that you know segment of society, and and Aunt, and you know and Aunt Lydia. She's well. She's a. She's a pretty crazy character. <laughs> and Ann Dowd is just, I mean, she's an amazing actress. She could very easily make this so just two-dimensional. But, yeah, it's a, she always makes it so multi-layered. And her physicality is just, that's what's on such on display this season. Yeah, the physicality that she can play as, as an actress. Go ahead and give that woman an Emmy and a gold globe <laughs> right now. That's all I'm saying. Just give it to her now, please. No, I mean, and, and you're adding, I mean, I, you know, of course I like Cleo Duvall, you know, they have as Emily's, uh, playing Emily's wife. Uh, I always like her, but, um, I do like that they're, you know, like I said, exploring a, some, a story of this is someone who, you know, a refugee story kind of, you know, and how you're kind of how you are coming. Well, and particularly, how are you are coming? It, it reminds me of and this is what I was going to say earlier. It, her come it remind coming like escaping Gilead and coming back to this quote unquote real world and real family and relationship whatever and trying to figure out how she fits all in that after being gone for however many years. It reminds me of someone who has been incarcerated and 
ha- what happens when they come out from, you know, they've been behind bars for however many years. How do they make it on the outside? Can they make it on the outside at all? Or do they just go back into that system because that's the system they know. That's the only system they know because it broke them down so much, you know? And not saying in this situation you would have Emily go back to Gilead, but would she escape and lose her mind and end up, you know, committing suicide? You know, that would be in a way you could say if she's going back to that because she realizes that I can't physically, you know, be there, but I can't be here. You know, there's, you know, this is my only solution and it's horrible. There's still a lot of season to go, but yeah, they got a lot done in these, in these five episodes. They really, they really did. And, and there's a, yeah, there's some, there's a really wide range of moments. uh, I would say too, just as far as emotions go. An emotional roller coaster as to put it flippantly. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I, I think that was uh, the, the the next few are going to be, uh, I think we said off mic, one episode less per. Um, yeah, well, so this first episode was the first, I mean, this first recap episode that we're doing is the first five episodes. Then the second recap episode we're doing is going to cover the next four episodes. And then the last recap we're doing will be the last four episodes. So it's 13 total. Right? Did I do the math? That should be correct. I mean, uh, did I do, did I do the math correctly? Let me put it let me put it the right way. Like, <laughs> but is my tie straight? Um, yeah, that should be the plan. So, uh, hopefully, you're watching along. I guess we should say what we're doing in July for the VD clinic. Right, right. No, for uh, VD clinic, our big July episode. We are going to be covering the Louise Buñuel uh, film Belle uh, du Jour, starring uh, Catherine Deneuve, and I will try to contain myself. <laughs> Sorry, I have the hots for Pam Greer more than Catherine Deneuve, but <laughs> Catherine Deneuve is up there. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, and then what is our, our book that we're going to be covering, Darren? The, the Shauna Shauna Kenny Kenny memoir. I was a teenage dominatrix. Yes. So, anywho, that will be. Uh, I'll be fun. And uh, yeah. And then our then the second like handmaid's recap will come uh, after that. But in the meantime, what do you, what else do you have going on at Psychosemantic? Uh, Psychosemantic. Well, look. Recently, I just put out the Vanessa and I talking about. But I'm a cheerleader. And coming up, I've oh. got at least... I guess I'll be listening to that on the way to Pride, does that mean? I guess. There, is, there <laughs> we go. Um, and uh, our dear friend The Witch from Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock came and discussed Gross Point Blank and unionization and other things. Uh, and today is actually John Cusack's birthday. Oh, well, there we go. And actually technically the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. So and, tra- are, and trans pride. So there's a lot going on right now. There is a lot going on. That's Thank just saying you. Re- huh? recording time. Recording time. Sorry. <laughs> as, as of as of recording time. So thank you, whomever you are, for taking the time and listening to this. Thank you, Vanessa. And this Thank was fun. You, Darren. This was fun? Question mark. No, yes, this was fun. <laughs> because if I'm going to talk about this crazy ass shit, I'd 
I'd prefer to talk about it with you than uh, than most people. Yes. <laughs> Taking it to the end. I need someone who can soldier through it with me. Fuck Gilead. Oh, jeez, Louise. Fuck Alabama. Fuck with Missouri, Georgia. Uh, like, let's. Ha- how many states now are pulling these new laws? Uh, yeah. Too many. Too many. It's still fuck Gilead. We've got it going on in the United States right now. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I'm not kidding about that soapbox. <laughs> but I don't know what, how, how we should sign this sign this out. I don't remember yeah. that Latin thing about don't let the bastards get you down. Yeah, um, well, I do. I, I do love that. Yeah, she wrote that on the wall when she had escaped. And then as the uh, house was burning down, the fact that the commander walks in and he sees that written on the wall and just like, yeah. I still just so wanted Serena to like push him into the fucking burning bed. Like, <laughs> Fuck abusive woman like because come on let's whatever anyway more conversation for another day yes <laughs> um but yeah f- fuck gilead fuck gilead
If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.